0: This is Robert Greenberger and you are
1: listening to the Batman Universe podcast. and i am dustin
2: and i am apple
1: and we are bringing you all the latest news within the batman universe your movie tv video game merchandise news and then for our spotlight character this episode we're going to cover detective McGonagall. which you probably have no idea who that is it gets brought up in our interview that we have today with robert greenberger the writer of the essential batman encyclopedia that came out back in june we have an interview with him and we have a little contest that we're going to be doing as well, but he discusses at one point uh, Detective McGonagall, and we figured it might be prominent for you to know who that is. Let's jump right into movie news. Only a couple things to report, but the very first thing I know in the last podcast, I might have messed up, because by the time the podcast actually posted, I think Voting was already done for the Spike Scream Awards, so I apologize to you all who tried to get on there and then couldn't, but the outcome of the Spike Scream Awards was that the Dark Knight itself won 12 awards, and Batman in general won a total of 13. So real quick, Apple's going to run through all of the awards that they won.
2: Okay, starting with number one, the ultimate scream, the Dark Knight ticket. Best superhero? Christian Bale as Batman, best actor in a fantasy movie or TV show, Heath Ledger. Woohoo! Best villain, Heath Ledger as the Joker, best supporting performance, Gary Oldman, which I do agree, yes, Gary Oldman did an awesome job, the holy blank screen of the year, the big rib lipso, that was an awesome scene. Best screenplay, The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Nolan, and David S. Goyer. Best sequel, The Dark Knight. Best director, Christopher Nolan. Best FX, The Dark Knight. Best line, I believe uh, whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. In The Dark Knight. Best comic book movie, of course, The Dark Knight. Best comic book writer, Grant Morrison, Batman, Final Crisis.
1: So that was all the awards that The Dark Knight won. Christopher Nolan turned out for the awards and they had a really cool setup for him coming up there for the awards they had a pretty much the dark knight symbol stencilized and then with flames coming out of it it was pretty cool if you didn't see it i'm sure you could find something like that on youtube to see his acceptance speeches
2: and it was awesome man that bad symbol in the in the background That was really cool of them
1: to do for him yeah just shows you how much christopher nolan has done for not just we as batman fans but hollywood in general all right so october 20th charles rovin the one of the producers for the dark knight was quoted saying i can't speak to that of batman 3 right now we are excited about the possibility of something coming together but we are definitely in the stage where we're just thinking about it chris is really the one who is who is thinking on it. So Charles Roven sounds like he's down for Batman 3, as long as Chris Nolan's down for it. So October 22nd, it was announced that the Dark Knight Limited Edition is now available for pre-order. The Dark Knight Limited Edition is the one with the Batpod that we talked about in probably a while back. We heard about it, but it was not up for pre-order for whatever reason, and now it is. So pre-order that one on Amazon, On October 27th, Nolan finally spoke about Batman 3. The main thing that came out of an interview that was done by the LA Times was that it's a three-part series, and by the time we're recording this, only the first two parts have been out. But the first part was him basically saying whether or not he was going to come back and his surprise at how big and how much money the Dark Knight took away. So... But the other big thing that came out of it said that he will return for Batman 3 if the story works and it's good.
2: Right. Now, Christopher Nolan, his brother, and uh, David Goyer, when I read that in the L.A. Times, I got so excited. Because the way he sounded was he was so excited for Batman, even to even be involved in Batman. So, you know, in, in... being fans we always wonder man are you know are they tired of it i know they're gonna get tired of it they're not gonna do it it sounded like chris nolan is fully dedicated to this batman that he's created and for fans that makes it gets us excited you know that's exciting when you, when you read that so when that came out oh man i was like jeez Please, Chris, come back. If someone knows Chris and they're listening to the podcast, Chris, please come back.
1: Yeah, definitely. uh, I agree with you completely on that. It, It really seemed by reading the article that Chris Nolan is all invested in this character. He just wants to make sure that if he puts out another one, it's as good as what it can be. He mentioned in the article that he never actually planned on doing a second Batman movie when they made the first one, even though the Joker card showed that, you know, the Joker could be in the next one he didn't have any intentions of doing a second one originally. He has become invested in this character so much where at this point he's dedicated about six years of his life to strictly Batman films. Somebody who dedicates that much time to Batman franchise and does a superb job like Chris Nolan's done, you can't ask for anything more than that. Except for, hey, maybe come out with a third one. But yeah. <laughs> but, but also by reading it, it makes you feel like he has spent so much time on this character, it didn't at once during the article seem like he's tired of him, which was what Tim Burton, he said he was tired of doing the Batman character. Joel Shoemaker, well, they didn't even give him a chance to say he was tired of it, but he didn't even sound like he was tired of it. He just wants to make sure that he puts out something that's quality. One of the quotes that I found really interesting was, how do you make a second movie better than the first movie? There's not very many movies that were the sequels better than the the original. And then he said at the same time, in in relationship to Batman 3, he said, how do you make a third movie that's better than the second one? So I think if he does do it, which we all hope he does, but if he does do it, we are going to be absolutely blown away. All this excitement that we all have for The Dark Knight because it was such a great movie and all the excitement leading up to it, I think that excitement is going to be like tenfold when Batman 3 comes out, if Chris Nolan decides to do it.
2: Right, and, and the thing is about Chris Nolan, you heard that he talked about the story first, and a guy who's willing to go out there and say, the story has to be good, the story's good, I'm coming back. So if we if we know, and, and it sounds like this guy's already fully invested in it, he comes back, he gets together with his crew, his guys, they plan out a story, of course, you know, um, inspired from the comic books, Batman three will blow us away. It will blow us away because he he's only getting better, and, and that's what it seems for his films. Chris Nolan always seems to be getting better and getting better. Was the Dark Knight his like the the top of his game? I don't I don't really think so because Christopher Nolan always has something up his sleeve, and the writing and the storytelling of the Dark Knight proves that
1: exactly. And I think. Like you said, I don't think he's re- reached the... I don't think he's plateaued at this point. I think Chris Nolan, he's got years and years ahead of him. And even if he decides not to do a Batman movie, I'll look forward to any movie that he puts out because I'm expecting nothing but greatness from him because he's he's just that good. Yeah, he is. He's that good. As, as a storyteller, as a director, he, he is amazing. Yes. So that's going to bring us into TV news. Um, the very first thing is some unfortunate news that Apple's going to share with us. On October
2: 15th, we learned that on Saturday, October 11th, Neil Hefty passed away. He was the composer of the original Batman theme from the 1960 show. So all our prayers go out to him and his family and want to send a big thank you for
1: leaving us such a legendary theme. And now we are going to, in memory of him, play his song. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. airing the batman from the beginning starting on october 24th so obviously because you're listening to this now you'll actually be able to watch the second episode of the first season they're going to start replaying all of this the episode in succession where you have the f- complete first season then they'll move on to the complete sex second season and so forth and so on so you have that to look forward to now we don't have actually a date to report this next news on Cartoon Network has started up a Batman the Brave and the Bold website where you can get wallpapers you can play a game that's related to Batman the Brave and the Bold they have an extra video clip of the very first episode which involves Blue Beetle and a battle with some aliens so you can check that out we'll provide a link on the site for it you'll be able to see a little bit more now one thing that I have to say based on what I saw in this clip is I think the aspect that we were all under the assumption of was which was that this show was more comedic or more not Batman related. I kind of didn't see that from that. I don't know what you saw Apple, but what I saw was it seemed like Batman himself was still a serious character just gets paired up with people who aren't so serious.
2: Right. I, I in from the, from the clips that we've seen, well, the reports that we had read before where they're, you know, we're going to take a different take on Batman. However, it looked more like the characters around him were the more uh, uh, bubblegum-ish type that we would say, where Batman was, wasn't was like them. This might be very interesting to see.
1: And I, I definitely like the idea of bringing a lot of the not-so-famous superheroes and villains and giving them a little bit of screen time. Right,
2: I'm, I'm looking forward to Aquaman. I, Aquaman's another, you know, like we have another staple of DC that really hasn't got his due yet, but hopefully with with more attention being paid to these characters and like in Brave and the Bold with them showing up, maybe it gives them a little bit of a, of a fire under that, that seat for these characters.
1: Yeah, especially maybe as a starting point, depending on whether or not certain characters are, are really popular. A starting point for maybe warner brothers to get a clue and maybe they should start making some of these characters into movies because they really have good stories to tell
2: and that's always been the niche that dc has for dc fans versus marvel fans dc has always had great storytelling okay guys on to video game news On October 27th uh, IGN and GameSpot had actually posted videos of some more fatalities of course this time they showed Deathstroke. Deathstroke has some really pretty cool moves so if you can uh, we'll provide a link for you to go ahead and view it on IGN or or GameSpot wherever website you prefer and uh, go ahead and watch the the videos for the upcoming uh, Marvel I mean Mortal Kombat versus DC now the release date has officially been pinned as November 16th Okay, so the kind of deals that are out there Best Buy released a uh, They're releasing a bonus offer when you go ahead and pre-order the the collector's edition now, on that one, real specifics weren't announced. It's just a bonus offer that they're saying right now may have caught them right when they were updating. So, as far as we know, Best Buy is giving a bonus offer for if you pre-order it. Now, at GameStop, GameStop actually released pictures of the T-shirt that will be coming along with the, the video game that you if you pre-order it, you will be getting a T-shirt. On the front of the T-shirt, it has Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, and it has a Joker Pointing a gun at scorpion and the little uh, gun having bang on it on the back of the shirt It has duke king kicking flash, and it has the the website for the video game, which is worlds so this game coming out on November 16th, and if you can go ahead and pick it up everything looks So good. I saw video If you when you go ahead and click on the video you'll see actually it looks like a little I guess a shrine or temple that's actually uh, green lanterns fighting arena so that one looked really good deathstroke looks really good but the one that looks more powerful from the dc universe actually looks like shazam shazam looked really good in those videos so go ahead head on over there and go ahead and Get filled up on Mortal Kombat versus DC get excited for that uh, also Arkham Asylum there was a report on a blog that Arkham Asylum will be trying to release some new screens before December so as soon as those are released guys we'll go ahead and share those with you that's all we have so far for video game news <coughs>
1: so that brings us right into merchandise news we got a bunch of stuff to report a lot of stuff came out that DC Direct announced that they're going to be putting out in June of 2009 so we're gonna run down the stuff real quick and then describe a little bit of the information that we have found out about it so far so the first thing that we found out about was the Dark Knight the Joker vinyl statue by Kotobukiya, and that's going to be hundred and twenty five dollars one thing that we want to point out is all of this stuff that we are mentioning when the website's up you'll be able to see pictures of all these items on the website so that you know what's coming out in the future
2: right now if anyone has ever ordered um, any of the Kodobukas right now for the for uh, Batman and there was Batman Jim Lee that he had drawn uh, oh I forgot the issue of the, the comic book but the Kodobaeaa statue that they have they're very detailed they're very nice collectors love the Kodabukeaa series so the Joker vinyl, it is a must-buy. Now, there are two other Batmans for the Dark Knight that are will be releasing, so we'll go ahead and keep you updated on those as soon as they, uh, they release more details on when they come out. But the Joker vinyl, go ahead and go to your comic store and place that pre-order. All
1: right, so the next thing that we already kind of knew about, but we just didn't have a date yet, is the Dark Knight 1-6 scale Two-Face Harvey Dent action figure by Hot Toys. That's going to run $175.00 and they've actually released pictures of the character, like, full pictures, not like what we were talking about last episode, where it was just a teaser image. These We've got full images of this figure that we'll provide on the site for you guys, so you can check out. I mean, they're, we all knew that hot, these Hot Toys 1-6 scales were extremely detailed, but when you see Two-Face, none of the other figures or... Possibly even the Batmobile and Batpod have anything on this figure. Right,
2: the detail in the face, the way that uh, Two Face cheekbone—it's gonna come with two different variant heads. So the, of course, it, you know, hopefully everyone keeps the Two Face on. But it look, it was so detailed, right to the bone, the way you see it in the movies. So, oh man, the hot toys are hot buys, guys.
1: Yeah, the hot toys—I definitely think—are gonna be something that down the line are gonna be worth a lot of money. So if you can save up the money between now and December.
2: We also have the the Batmobile and the Bank Robbery Joker. So and if you haven't placed your pre order on that, shame on you. Shame on you
1: (laughs) (laughs) And if you haven't if you don't have the money, then we don't say shame on you. (laughs) but we do encourage uh, you to get those because they're going to be worth money down the line especially since there's only a limited number of those being created oh
2: man i can't wait for that to come in okay uh we also have the batman cause baby minifigures by hot toys batman classic a batman modern you have catwoman batgirl Robin, Joker, Two Face, and a especially mystery figure. Now these guys, they're they're minifigure guys, but they're really hot collectibles. So if uh, you have never seen a Cosbaby, we'll go ahead and provide an image for you. The Cosbabies are they're very. Classic looking, very fun to look at, much like how we were describing it in, uh, in the comic book series of uh, Superman and uh, Batman 52, where you have the small figures. These cause babies are similar, and they're very hot commodity between collectors. So if you haven't seen them, we're going to provide a link. Once you see them, go to your comic store and also place an a order for these because these are also hot items also for collectors.
1: Yeah, these are going to be hot items that... Those of you who can't afford the 1/6 scales, these are going to be a lot more affordable. We don't have an actual price on them, but we know, by based on some of the other Cosbabies that have come out, that these are going to be a lot more affordable.
2: Right. Now, the packaging, they haven't officially announced the packaging, so they could come sing, uh, in single packs, or they might have a collector's pack, guys. So, check with your comic store and see how they're going to be released.
1: Okay, so the next one is um, the history of the DC Universe is uh, they're starting a, ser- a series of action figures, and Series 1 is going to include a Batman action figure based on the George Perez art. So we mentioned that George Perez had a black and white statue that came out probably about, what was it, like two months ago? Mm-hmm.
2: it was, yeah. I think it was about two months ago. Yeah,
1: it was about Which two-
2: was an awesome yeah. statue in the black and white series. Awesome.
1: Yeah, and this, this figure, it's not a statue, it's an action figure, but this one's going to be right along up there with the quality of it.
2: Right. The detail looked like uh, George Perez's art.
1: So the next thing is um, also... Now, keep in mind, like we said, all of these are coming out in June 2009, as of right now. The next thing is a Legends of the Dark Knight box set. Now, this is going to include Batman, Joker, Commissioner Gordon, and Two-Face all together in one box set. And the detail on these, once again, extremely well done. One thing I have to say is anything that DC Direct makes possible for fans to be able to get is extremely detailed and very good quality stuff
2: right and also very limited so keep that in mind guys
1: yes the next thing is uh we've mentioned this before that there's a jla trophy room series of bunch of replicas that are coming out and they're releasing some here they've in the past they had the joker cane which was life-size came in a display case they also had batman utility belt came in a case so that you could display it the classic version of that one. Now they are releasing back cuffs on a stand so that you can display them. Now this will provide a picture on the site for you guys to look at. This is looks like it's more of a 90s version back cuff. Definitely not back cuffs from the 60s TV show comics prior to the 90s. But I almost want to say it looks very similar to the back cuffs from Batman Forever and Batman Robin where they've got the the bat wings kind of f- flinging off the side of the bat cuff. It's it's not Batman forever Batman Robin. It's just Batcuffs in general. It really strictly looks like the Batman comics from the 90s. And these are going to be another thing that's going to be limited and you're only going to be they're only going to be making so many. I know that the utility belt was one of the things that now keep in mind these things are one these are expensive, but they come very well done and very detailed, so that you can display them in your house, or you know, if you've got a little back cave of yourself, you can have your own little trophy room where you have all of these really cool displays. Right
2: now, I own a couple of these. They like to refer to them as museum quality. So the way you would see them in a museum is the way they're going to show up and displayed for you guys. So keep that in mind that when when you order something like this, these are museum quality items.
1: Alright, so the last thing that came out of the DC Direct stuff for June 2009 is the Uniforms Batman figures. Now, these are basically oversized Batman action figures, beefed up, I guess you could say. And they're going to have three versions, the Batman classic, Batman modern, and Batman armor. The
2: uni- the Uniform figures, um, what they are, are uh, there are, um, actually, they are probably going to be the... St- size of a regular action figure they are beefed up sideways where they have oversized arms oversized feet now if anyone has seen the uh the uh master replica one well I, uh, not master replicas but sideshow uh, star wars figures if you've seen those oversized figures they had they carry the star wars marvel brand uniforms is actually another name for the side the sideshow collectibles so these figures are going to be the same way these figures could range from either forty to fifty dollars, and they are a bit bigger size. Uh, if anyone's ever collected the Spawn ones, uh, they're very familiar to that, where it almost looks like a kind of like a, a, a big oversized figure. That's the best way to describe them, but. The the pricing. This is the the first four DC uh coming out like this, and that's that's this is the thing. They're not made by DC Direct guys. They're actually made by Uniforms. So go ahead and view them. See if you like them. They they are known to go ahead and make good quality figures. The thing is that these may be uh, in a different range price. The reason why is because like we had said, this is the first time DC is releasing them like this. So I have seen them from $20 to $60. $60 being the high end, um, more like the, the Star Wars and the spawn ones that came out. So go ahead and keep an eye out for those guys.
1: All right, so that's all the stuff we have from DC Direct. Now, on October 24th, we are starting. We started to get a little bit of the Batman, the Brave and the Bold toy news. The news is starting to come out. The first thing that I've found online is that they have a set that includes the Batman and an alien that he has to attack. And Batman comes with a special little armor set that he wears, and he attacks an alien. Now, this is probably based off of the first episode, since they are battling aliens but that's just a i guess an insight on what's to come with the Batman, the Brave and the Bold toys that are going to be coming out over time I'm sure since the episodes are going to start coming out in November that we'll probably see some toys before Christmas
2: right and we'll go ahead and keep the community uh, well updated on the release of those toys so And much like, you know, fans, they want to know if they're going to be having midnight releases for these toys, so we'll go ahead and keep you updated on release dates.
1: Alright, so October 27th it was announced that the Dark Knight Special Edition soundtrack, which was supposed to come out back when the movie came out, is finally going to be coming out in December. Now, no official dates have been announced, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be right around the same day as the release for the Dark Knight, which makes sense. Alright, so the only other news we have to report for merchandise is that this coming week on November 4th, the Batman the Animated Series Complete Series is coming out on DVD. So you will be able to buy the entire series on DVD in one box set, which a lot of fans I know have been looking forward to.
2: Yeah, the, the fans that missed out on the uh, the original releases and then try to go back and tr- gonna notice that hey there's no season ones and twos around this is your chance to get them guys and i'm i'm gonna rebuy them again only because they're putting special stuff in these uh special editions so i think uh best buy had them for like what What was it this, do you remember the price like 119 yeah i think it was somewhere. about
1: 119 for the entire series
2: oh it is so worth it the batman animated series guys oh man it is so worth it
1: definitely for apple because he's pretty much watching that in all of his free time
2: yes because in my spare time I do draw but I do find inspiration from the cartoon and I just completely love the writers from that series they were awesome, the
1: stories were awesome alright so that's all the merchandise news we have for listener responses I just want to thank everybody who emailed us interested in being a co-host for all of you who received the email back from us laying out exactly how we were going to go about finding our new co-host please let us please get us those responses back along with your audition tape per se by november 10th is going to be the cutoff day please get us those by then and then we'll break it all down and then we'll lay everything out i also want to give a thanks to everybody out there who was very generous enough to go out onto itunes and give us a review for the new feeds We've got four, five-star ratings on iTunes. I just want to thank Josh from Indiana, Chris Hughes, Twenty Twenty, Joker's Wild, aka John, and probably gonna say this wrong, but it's kind of looks like Baracko Three. So thank you for you guys for setting out set, or sending us some reviews on iTunes. For everybody else, please get out there and help us out with iTunes, so that way we can be the number one Batman podcast. So that when you type in Batman, it's the first podcast that pops up on iTunes these reviews help out help us out and even if you don't have time at least go on there and just say that these reviews were helpful
2: and thank you guys thank you for that
1: yeah thank you very much now a little bit of news for the website okay the official launch date for the website is going to be November 14th now we like we have said in previous episodes we are going to be me and Apple are going to be going to the wizard world in Texas we are going to be getting you all of the updated news, most, most recent and straight from the source while we're there at Wizard World. We're going to try to get you all the news coming out of Wizard World that relates to the Batman universe. All of that stuff is really going to be the launching point for the website. So, all the stuff that we find out will be on the website for you guys to read. We already have a giant forum section set up for everybody to just dive right into i mean we've got a lot of different sections that we've been putting a lot of hard work into and for you guys the fans so that you guys have a really cool place to come to
2: right right we're just trying to establish that community that all our great listeners that all through this podcast all these podcasts that you have responded to this isn't thanks to you guys so the community is coming the community that you're building You are going to be able to share it,
1: and it is coming November 14th. Exactly. That would bring us to our spotlight character. Now, our spotlight character, like I mentioned earlier, the feature that we're doing, we have an interview that we did with Robert Greenberger, the author of The Essential Batman Encyclopedia, and in the interview, he mentions Detective McGonagall. Now, I'm not going to ruin it for you of why he mentions this character. You'll have to listen to the interview to find out but from directly from his book, this is what he lays out as the history of Detective McGonagall. On Earth 2, an Irish Gotham City detective named McGonagall was impressed by the work performed by the costume vigilante named Batman. In his trademark bow tie and derby, chopping on his ever-present cigar, McGonagall was an effective police officer. However, when he was attacked by the ugly horde, he was more than happy to be rescued by Batman-Robin. While thankful for the help, he also realized it was his duty to arrest the vigilantes. But the dynamic duo left before the overweight cop could make a move. He did redeem himself by being present when the Horde's creator, Carlson, was ready to stab Batman in the back. McGonagall shot the man dead. And that comes straight from Batman number three, fall 1940. His heroic exploits earned him praise from Commissioner James Gordon, who a month later assigned him to track down the female felon, known only as the Cat. He had a second chance to apprehend Batman during the case, but the Cape Crusader prevented it. Neither Vigilante nor Cop managed to bring the Cat to justice, although Batman recovered her latest cache of stolen gems, which she gave to McGonagall to turn in. McGonagall soon after took a job as chief in Empire City and worked alongside cop-turned-hero Dan Richards, the first Manhunter, Police Comics, number 10, October, 1941. So that's the history of Detective McGonagall. Now, for the feature, like I said, we did an interview with Robert Greenberger a couple weeks ago, and we've just been waiting for the perfect podcast to put this out on, so this is it. So here's the interview. All right, everybody, today we have with us uh, Robert Greenberger, who is the author of The Essential Batman Encyclopedia. Now, for those of you who haven't bought this, which we've been telling you to go buy it because it's such a great book for the last couple months he's with us here to talk all about it so welcome Bob hi thank you for having me first off let's, let's just start off with tell us a little bit about the book
0: <laughs> it's not a little book It's uh, exactly <laughs> it's an A to Z look at Batman supporting characters friends foes locales uh, organized in a manner that lets people understand the context of each appearance So that we cover pre-crisis, post-crisis, changes in zero hour, final crisis, well, not final crisis, but uh, infinite crisis uh, to let people see how characters have grown and evolved since their introduction. Um, It's copiously illustrated with material pulled from the uh, last 70 years worth of comic books. It's 316,000 words and well worth everybody's uh, money.
1: Well, Reading your intro in the book, you mentioned that you started off using uh, Michael Flesher's Batman Encyclopedia as a starting point for the book. How much how much more did you have to do to really get to the book that we have now in comparison to what his book was?
0: Michael's research started with Detective Comics 27 in 1939 and more or less ended between 1966 1967 in Batman and Detective and World's Finest Comics. Michael's approach was that every story occurred to the Batman Um, He completely ignored the Earth-1, Earth-2 introduction. He did not cover Batman's appearances in other DC titles, including the Justice League of America and the Brave and the Bold. As a result, when we began this project, it was decided to be as comprehensive as humanly possible. Short of Batman's appearance in Jerry Lewis, I think uh, just about every canonical Batman appearance uh, in a DC Universe title um, you know, was consulted uh, as we formed the book.
1: Okay, so I guess that brings me to the next question, Is which is what sources have you used yourself besides his book to collaborate all of your information?
0: Okay, uh, well, there was the Encyclopedia of uh, Superheroes and the Encyclopedia of Supervillains, both done by my uh, good friend Jeff Rovin. There was the other sort of compendiums of superhero and supervillains that have been published, tons of websites uh, dedicated to the Batman, and obviously seventy years worth of
1: comic books. Do you do you yourself have like a pretty massive comic collection, or do you have sources that you use that have pretty big collections?
0: My collection peaked at about 33,000 comics uh, before I had to winnow it down because I ran out of room. But between the comics I have, plus all the um, DC archives and trade paperback uh, collections, I'm going to admit that I turned to the illegally scanned and downloadable to read comics <laughs> online uh, to look up stuff I could not look up elsewhere. And I had access to the DC editors to ask about stuff that was currently in the works. And I had John Wells. John Wells is, is the most amazing, resource who graciously lent me um the databases he has been maintaining i I think since birth um that gave me a really good checklist to double check character appearances for heroes villains and a lot of the supporting characters
2: robert let me ask you looking through the whole book and through the history of uh of batman who was your favorite illustrator from here?
0: Well, that's a you know, that's a tough one because I don't know if there's a single favorite. There's a lot to like from obviously the the top guys like you Neil know, Adams and Jim Lee and Jim Aparo. But in researching this, I regained a complete new appreciation for Irv Novick and continued to marvel at what Dick Sprang managed to do back in the uh, '40s and '50s.
2: Yeah, especially with the, with what they had to work with. I mean, they didn't have the pens and the the nice uh, technology of paper as we do now. Um, you know, being like a uh, uh, a current artist, you know, trying to you know get into the industry, I admire what those guys did with what they had back then. Well, you know, doing pen and ink is an art form that
0: has existed since you know 1700s, I guess. But the pen tips and the brushes that the guys used, and I'm talking Bob Kane up through uh jim lee and scott williams today you know it's been a constant evolution but what these guys were able to do with the constraints of uh conventional storytelling when they were at work and what they were able to do considering the deadlines involved because back back in the day guys like dick sprang and and uh sheldon maldoff and carmen infantino they couldn't miss a deadline You know, they they blew it by a day. They weren't getting the next job. You know, Julie Schwartz or Jack Schiff would hand it to the next artist available. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's the discipline as much as the style and talent uh, that's important.
1: One of the questions we were asked by one of our uh, listeners was, with all the recons over the years, what do you think are some of the big questions that you feel have been left unanswered? Interesting.
0: You know, there's not a lot about Martha's background, his mother. We know she was a socialite. We know she worked in the same or operated in the same social circles as Thomas Wayne. The Batman Family miniseries that John Moore wrote a couple of years ago gave us some of her background. But there's a lot more to be done with her in those early years of raising Bruce Wayne you know, before that fateful night at Crime Alley. that That's one that occurs to me. Beyond that, you know, so much of the rest of it's been explored or re-explored. Um, you know, I'm not sure there are a lot of gaping questions left.
1: That's a good point with the Martha Wayne. Um, I can't really think of any off the top of my head, except for maybe a little more back history of Gotham City.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Since it is really big, you know, from what we've talked about.
1: Or maybe more exploration of... The, the year one aspect of Batman more of his uh world well it's training. actually
0: it's not so much the year one aspect what you're talking about is is when he left home as a teenager before he came back uh, at age 25 to become Batman exactly and yeah I mean uh, in the 1980s and early 90s some of that was explored I know that John Byrne wrote a three-parter I think it was that killed a lot of them off Jim Owsley when he was writing Batman very briefly introduced some of those people who trained them, but you're right. Uh, there really has not been any sort
2: of authoritative view of those years.
1: I guess not so much a year one, but more of a pre-year one. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rob- Robert, let me ask you, with uh, with all your uh, background knowledge, what is your favorite obscure character? Wow. It's a real interesting one
0: because, you know, obscure characters are probably the ones who appeared for one story and were kind of interesting and, and have never been seen again. I don't know if I necessarily have, from that bunch would have a single particular favorite character. Instead, I I was noticing that through the years, Batman and Bruce Wayne really, in in the context of Batman and Detective, didn't have a lot of supporting characters. I mean, yes, there was Dick Grayson and Alfred and, and Commissioner Gordon, but beyond that, Bruce Wayne didn't seem to have any friends or neighbors. Before Lucius Fox, he, he didn't have any consistency at Wayne Enterprises or, or, or the Wayne Foundation. A lot of missed opportunities there. Uh, even Batman's relationship with the cops, because Gordon couldn't be everywhere. Uh, there was this uh, comic relief character called McGonagall who appeared uh, briefly in the early 40s, and it really wasn't until you know, the 80s or so before there were any other recurring police officers. Uh, So to me, it was more missed opportunities than, than obscure favorites.
1: Well, I guess that brings us really into the next question, which is, what do you feel is the most underused, underdeveloped character that shows the most potential?
0: Huh. Well, today, it's probably Gordon who, you know, since he's come back, from retirement post 52 there's been very little done with him in today's times he is the character in most need of attention prior to that there were attempts made at introducing some characters that that failed for one reason or another there was a policewoman named Pat Powell that Julie Schwartz introduced early in his run as the editor uh, who is being designed as a potential romantic interest for Batman and for whatever reason came and went so briefly until the showcase reprints, I, I don't think anyone remembered her or her father, Bulldog Powell, who was uh, her father, also a police officer. Th- that could have been interesting. Uh,
2: another question that we had from uh, a listener was, what is the most overused plot device in Batman's comic history?
0: You know, there were, I can't tell you how many stories where Batman would do something out of the ordinary to try, yeah, basically, Go through these convoluted machinations to trap a criminal. He would open up a museum, he would start. Tap dancing in the street or something. I mean, it was again and again he would do this convoluted thing to lure the criminals. I mean, it was very common in the 40s and 50s uh, where that was done. The next most obvious would be some element of Batman's mythos was introduced for this one story that was never seen again, such as the secret of Batarang X, where, you know, on the cover we were told, you know, he never dare use it and it turned out to be a Batarang large enough for Batman to be launched off of. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That's some silly Mm -hmm. stuff. With the silly stuff, do you think a lot of that silly stuff um, really stemmed from late 40s, early 50s? Because it seems like a lot of of times when people talk about the comics, they kind of ignore some of the time-traveling aspects of Batman, the space travel, a lot of that interdimensional travel, all that stuff that was really, really big during probably the late 40s, most of the 50s. And kind of going into the 60s
0: oh yeah what you have to look at is that in the late 40s after world war ii ended uh the superhero titles were dying off rapidly and to keep superman batman and wonder woman viable they needed to come up with different stories and it was decided to move away from the saboteurs and spies and real deadly threats instead of more youth oriented stories featuring the familiar rogues uh, because comics were increasingly being seen as a juvenile medium. Then DC decided to keep it as general audience friendly as humanly possible as comics were under fire from Frederick Wertham and Seduction of the Innocent through the Cafava hearings uh, that examined comics as a potential cause for juvenile delinquency, which led to the formation of the Comics Code. So as a result, the, con- the stories were kept somewhat simple somewhat you know uh... the joker would be you know seen playing in a sandbox thinking he's really lost his marbles uh... when it was all you know some ploy to rob something mixed in with all of that we did see uh... under jack Schiff is the editor Slowly but surely, he played with the the mythos. We learned about Lou Moxon being the man behind Joe Chill, who killed Bat, Batman's parents. We learned about uh, that first Batman suit that uh, Thomas Wayne wore at a costume party uh, dealing with Lou Moxon. We learned a little bit about who taught Batman how to throw the Batarang, and... Yeah, There there were bits and pieces that were added in there and there were some murder mysteries out and outright mysteries where there were three or four uh, people uh, suspected of a crime and Batman had to deduce it and he was the detective. But Schiff also felt he had to go with what ...was popular in the day, and in the day were things like uh, mutated insects in the movies and science fiction themes, and so he introduced that into the Batman books. Jack Schiff is largely considered a failed uh, Batman editor when a re-examination shows that arguably... He kept the franchise alive until he could hand it off to Julie Schwartz. Uh, it's not that the books were necessarily headed for cancellation, as is uh, the conventional wisdom, but he started to reintroduce the rogues through the reprints in the, the early Batman 80-page giants in the 1960s, and he gave us the Catman, who appeared in a in a whole group of stories over the course of two years of Detective Comics uh, in, some, in a semi-serial uh, fashion. So he was... And he gave us Clayface, you know, the Matt Hagen version. So he he tried to mix it all up. He's just remembered for the stuff that didn't work in today's tastes.
1: And I think part of that is also because um, one of the comments uh, that I know Bob Kane was really well known for was that he actually stated that the 60s TV show was actually the thing that helped this comic series not be canceled. And at the same time, with all those... Out of the ordinary stories that were being written at the time, do you think that maybe those stories were starting to fade out and the 60s TV show actually did help out? or? Oh, it
0: helped, it helped out tremendously. I mean, DC back in those days kept a giant ledger and there was a uh, color photographic reproduction of each cover and under it were all the sales figures. And you flip through this book, which stopped being maintained around 1966 or so. So you could trace how Batman sales were in the early 60s then versus the TV show. And the Batman book itself was selling very well compared to the rest of the DC titles. Eh, maybe it was dipping a little bit, but... Not to the point of cancellation. And then the TV show just pushed it into the stratosphere, into numbers comic sales hadn't seen since the early 40s when they were new and novel. And yeah, the TV show helped across the DC line, which is why Batman was prominent on so many covers time and time again, and why he showed up in places like the Jerry Lewis title, uh, whether he belonged or not. The TV show helped the sales, and the TV show popularity, though, did cement in everybody's minds that the comic books were rejuvenalia, uh, which I think hurt their chances to grow uh, for quite a number of years.
1: Yeah, I I think the the TV show, well, any media in that matter, has always given it a little bit more of a a boost in sales. Do you think that's still the same case um, current times? Do you think that the fact that the movie, the movies, you know, now are so good, do you really think that helps boost the comic sales, or is comics right now to a point where they're not really going to boost as much as they would be back in the '60s?
0: Paul Levitz, DC's president and publisher, told me a while back that. Pretty much dating back to Superman the movie in 1978, there has been very little correlation between the movie and the comic book sales. Today, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight certainly have boosted the trade paperback sales, the archive sales, hopefully the Batman encyclopedia sales. But uh, the individual issues, no. That, the, um, these days, that's really still driven by the comic market and the creators and the, the events happening in those pages.
2: Mm. You know, um, when we're talking about the the early years of Batman, is there any element of that early years that you would like to see reincorporated into the current mythos? Uh, like along the lines of what Morrison has done with the Batman's uh, otherworldly stories?
0: You know, I, I'm. It's an interesting conceit on on Grant's part to try and treat the seventy years of Batman stories as have having happened to this Batman who arguably has been operating 10 to 12 years. That really stretches credulity. As far as elements from the past that we, you know, should be incorporated today, honestly, I don't think there are any, because back then the stories were so self-contained. You know, So the archetypal elements like the Bat-Signal and the Bat-Cave and Gordon and, and the Rogues Gallery, they're, they're still part of the book today. Uh, because they're still valuable
2: you know you were speaking about earlier about Thomas's wings uh, when he wore the first costume in, right. to that uh, to that party that's what um, grant had brought back a lot of readers might not have known that from, uh, I, I guess from the like how you said that this Batman has been operating for like the past ten years, they're not used to that. Absolutely, we'll, we'll... just like people
0: don't remember that sensory deprivation chamber that apparently went into gave the Black Glove the opportunity to do to mess with his head. All came from the story that uh, I believe gave us Robin Dies at Dawn. Uh, the R that he's referring to were a couple of stories uh, featuring an alien Batman who had come to Earth uh to get tips from from our batman um you know all of that stuff yeah all that stuff were stories from from the 50s that grants uh resurrecting and weaving into the current continuity I'm seeing on some of the message boards, you know, people questioning why DC hasn't released it, like a companion volume of of reprinted stories of of these uh, elements that uh, Grant is referring to. You know, so much is being made of this sensory deprivation and being driven over the edge and, and what's going on in the RIP. And it's like, you know, people are forgetting that he may have been in the sensory deprivation tank for 10 days in this particular story, but he also isolated himself. Virtually in the same setup in the Batcave in Legends of the Dark Knight nineteen and twenty when he locked himself in for thirty days to uh, go cold turkey from Venom and that didn't seem to send him mentally over the deep edge and and forgetting stuff like that or not referencing stuff like that is you know actually you know doing a disservice to the reader.
1: Well, on a completely separate note, what did you think of The Dark Knight?
0: I found the movie very entertaining. Uh, in retrospect, uh, you know, after letting it settle from from an amazing popcorn movie experience. I'm not necessarily loving the, you know, I'm giving Dark Knight, uh, Gotham City the hero it needs and Batman suddenly, you know, uh, being this outlaw believed for having killed Harvey Dent. Largely, there were a lot of really interesting sequences that probably should have been trimmed. I certainly would have saved Aaron Eckhart for the third film and introduced Two-Face here and not finished it there. And honestly, beyond that, I think Bruce Wayne's character was wholly underserved by this film. I I think they forgot him as a character. So it was really, really good. It could have been better.
1: Honest opinion. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so what do you think of the current direction of the Batman comics?
0: I'm fairly critical of Batman R.I.P. because, honestly, uh, Grant is telling a story that doesn't have me emotionally interested because uh, he hasn't made me care about the characters. Uh, He introduces Jezebel Jett. And Batman is as comfortable revealing his ID to her after about 15 minutes as he was with Selina Kyle after years. And I don't know a thing about Jezebel Jet. I don't care about Jezebel Jet. I don't understand the role she's playing in his life. Same with the Black Glove. This mysterious manipulator out out of thin air has been behind everything forever. And I don't know who he is. I don't know what he wants. And I don't know how he got into the Batcave as easily as he did. I don't care. I'm I'm really not enjoying this R.I.P. storyline. I think Paul Dini's doing a far better job in Detective. I care far more about what Hush did to Catwoman's heart than I than I care about anything that's happened in R.I.P. lately. The R.I.P. tie-ins aren't tying in neatly, so I'm wondering how. Nightwing is is uh, at Arkham Asylum about to have a lobotomy when he's being surrounded by all the rogues in New York City in his own title. I'm just not getting it. Again, I think I think Dean doing a far better job on on Detective, and I'm really hoping that that this pays off in some sort of satisfactory way. So when we get to the next storyline, to fight for the cowl, uh, I care again.
2: You know, um, spe- you know, speaking on that, I, I mean, we, we love Paul Dean. We we love his work. Uh, big fans of his work through through writing this. Did you find any stories, or along the way, did you find stories that you more related to that writer from this Batman, from Batman's mythos? Well, uh, okay.
0: Obviously, I couldn't read all 70 years worth of stories over again, most of which I had read at one point or another, you know, growing up as a comic reader or as an editor at DC. I was reminded all over again how good Frank Robbins was as a writer of Batman, um, coupled with Denny O'Neill, so to the two of them really helped evolve the character starting around 69, 1970. You know, he's remembered for Man-Bat, but he also did some really nice one- and two-part stories uh, that were just good Batman stories. I'm, once again, really impressed by, by, you know, what Steve Englehart managed to do in six issues that, you know, other writers uh, at the same time couldn't do for years in Batman. You know, the David V. Reed years uh, concurrently were just, you know, really lackluster in comparison. I think given what they had to do, but Jerry Conway and Doug Mensch did Yeoman's work treating Batman and Detective as basically a bi-weekly serial and kept coming up with real interesting spins on the characters and the relationships, adding a lot more of that Marvel soap operay aspect, keeping you interested.
1: The last question that we had from a listener was, What do you hope comes from, I guess, post-R.I.P.? Once R.I.P. is over with, what do you hope happens in the comics? Interesting question.
0: I really thought a more mentally and emotionally centered Batman in the wake of uh, Infinite Crisis in 52, so we pick up the one year later with uh, James Robinson's face-to-face, I thought is where we should have been. And gone forward, and uh, that's what Paul Dini was doing, and now all of a sudden we've we've got this whole RIP thing where Batman is no longer emotionally centered, and and you know is tortured, and so I'm really hoping to get back to a Batman we can we can root for that we like. You know, there, there's as much interesting stuff to say about Batman as there is Bruce Wayne, uh, and if it requires somebody being in the cowl yet again for a period of time, as we had with Azrael or Dick Grayson. Just tell me a good story. Make me care. I like that.
2: Yeah, I think we share some of the same uh, visions that you do where this uh, where this book should go after IRP.
0: Uh, you know, these days I'm a reader like everybody else. You know, I don't ask the editors for tips uh, unless I have to in a professional capacity. And, and fortunately, you know, the projects I've been working on lately haven't required that. So, you know, I'm a reader and a fan like you guys.
2: Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, while you were making this... Uh, I wanted to ask you, what kind of a fan were you? Because at the beginning of the book, I noticed that you think uh, Edwin and Joanne Greenberg, I'm taking this as your mother and father? Yeah. Yes. And they gave you your first uh, Superman comic, right, when you were age six? Yes. Who's your favorite character? Is it Superman or Batman.
0: Uh, You know, it's interesting. DC comic readers can pretty much be divided into Superman fans or Batman fans. And while I like them both, I'm definitely more in the the Batman camp because I've done a lot of professional writing about Batman over the last two years. Uh, You know, he's really grown near and dear to my heart. But you know what? My favorite is still Green Lantern.
1: Green Lantern. That's something that we don't hear very often.
0: Yeah, You know, and I grew grew up loving the ring and wanting to be part of the core. I thought it was such a great concept to be able to travel the galaxy with all these other people, you know, fighting the good fight, and the ring being able to do all this magical stuff because, you know, you you, you wanted badly enough. The willpower aspect, I mean, that was just great stuff.
1: Robert, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, giving us your input. Um, the book is The Essential Batman Encyclopedia. It's available all over the place. Check Amazon out. I know it's been on there forever. That's where we all got it from. So, from. so thank you, Robert, for coming on the show. My pleasure. We hope to keep in contact with you and hear back from you again.
0: Anytime, because I do have a couple more Batman-related projects coming up in the future that DC has not announced, so I can't talk about quite yet. But, yeah, th- th- we'll have an opportunity to t- speak in the
1: future. All right. Appreciate it a awesome. lot. Thanks. All right. So... Hopefully that interview, all the questions that you guys sent me to ask Mr. Greenberger, we got those answered for you. Now, I do want to say, because we did do an interview with him, we are going to be giving away a copy of the Essential Batman Encyclopedia. Now, if you haven't got this, then you should really try to get in on this contest, because this book, as we said many times in the interview, is a great book for Batman fans.
2: Right, and this is this is our like this is our like our Bible. This is what we have to live by. <laughs> this Batman Robert Greenberger, awesome interview, awesome. You, I, we love talking to to comic book fans, to to Batman fans especially, and the work that he put in here and the the effort and the behind the scenes that he gave us on his interview, it is really really cool and it's a really must own, guys. We actually have the chance to go ahead and present you with the book. And this book is huge. It is awesome. Get in on the contest.
1: Exactly. So once again, we want to thank Robert Greenberger for doing the interview with us. And hopefully in the future, we will be able to get with him again. So other than that, check out the website on November 14th, thebatmanuniverse.net. That's the name of the website. You can email us anything related to the podcast at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us reviews on iTunes. With the sites up, you can get on the forums and leave us comments about specific episodes. Right.
2: uh, Tell us us what you love. Tell us what you love, what you're into, and we're going to love to interact with you on the forums.
1: Yeah, exactly. And... We'll be checking the forums frequently so that we can get back to you as soon as possible where emails aren't so aren't necessarily as quick. One thing I do want to say is if anybody has any great ideas that they really think they would love to see on a, on the website but have never been able to see anywhere else, let us know and we'll try to work something out to get that because that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that you guys, the fans, have a great place to go to that you can brag about.
2: And this, this is going to make it your own, guys. This is the community website for Batman so this take pride in it this is your guys website it's all
1: because of you and just enjoy it and remember November 14th the release date yeah and as a quick little stab uh, we we have had a couple people complain about the quality of the microphone as always we apologize for that we're trying to fix the problem we have we still can't figure out what it is but it has gotten a little better in the last couple episodes one thing that you can you guys the fans can do is once we, the website's live, help us out by clicking on the advertisements. The advertisements do not do not cost you anything. If you are a frequent buyer on Amazon, we one of our advertisers is Amazon. If you click on it, anything that you buy through Amazon we get credit for. It doesn't cost you any extra money, but it helps us out so that we can get new get a new microphone, get new software to improve the quality of the podcast. Help out with the website. That's one way you guys can help us without actually having to just fork money over to us. Alright, so that's, that's going to about wrap everything up. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, this is Dustin. And this is Apple. And you're listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. And Apple, and we've already completed the pre-product or the post-production of the podcast, but we just found out some incredible news that we've got to put out to the Batman Universe listeners. Um, Apple, lay it on us.
2: All right, guys, today it was announced. EA announced that the Dark Knight video game will be coming for the PS3 and Xbox 360, and I'm going to go ahead and read you a snippet of the first website to go ahead and break this. Electronics Arts has confirmed that they will be releasing the Dark Knight based on the popular Batman Summer blockbuster for the PS3 and Xbox 360. Electronic Arts and Panic Studios have confirmed that The Dark Knight is indeed coming to home consoles, which is based on one of the best blockbuster action adventure movies of recent years. It has been said that the game will be released on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. The Dark Knight looks to be on schedule for a 2009 release, but more on the release date and details as soon as they become available. And guys, the Batman universe is the first one to report this out of any bat site, any bat radio show out there. And we got it for you guys.
1: Yeah, and we've been saying it all along that no matter what all of the sites have been saying about it, it's not going to happen, we have been the ones telling you it will happen. So we want to thank Electronic Arts and Pandemic for definitely not giving up on it and definitely making this happen for all of us Batman fans. So yes, thank you. Big thank you. Yeah, so we're going to leave you with that, but everybody take it easy, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah, take care, guys.
0: Have a nice day.